Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Monday, the game day edition, the October 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins are in Pittsburgh on Monday night football in primetime. We'll preview the game, get you caught up on the latest injury news, and we'll try to get you off the schneid with the lock of the week. Plus, we update the action from around the NFL, what it means for Miami in the draft order, and we'll go back to campus to scout some college football prospects. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Tonight, we'll have the post-game podcast and recap article all up on LOD.com. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins a little bit different structure for the show tonight with prime time going on. We are going to do the injuries and update where the Dolphins stand in the draft and how the tank is going. All of that will come at the end of the show because I'm recording part of this on Friday, part of it on Saturday, and we'll finish it up on Sunday night before publishing. And with that, let's just go ahead and jump right into the game preview article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Dolphins at Steelers week eight in Pittsburgh. Supposed to be a cloudy 55 degree night at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, PA. The Dolphins are giving 14 points to the Steelers, so two touchdown underdogs once again. And just to rehash where this team has come the last couple of weeks, as the Dolphins started off the year with two touchdowns through the first four and three quarters of a game this season, and then the last one and one quarter games, they've scored four touchdowns. So big improvements coming primarily from that quarterback change. We've seen growth on offense and the skill positions from guys like Mike Gesicki, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mark Walton. We've seen better offensive line play, but will it last? Will it carry over into a primetime game in one of the games that really, if you are a fan of the tank, if you're going to root for a victory this season, this would be the one you would want, but I still caution against rooting for the Dolphins to get a win before the Bengals. Of course, we'll have that update for you in segment number three. The biggest news for injuries on this game is that Stephon Tuitt will not play. He is out for the season for the Steelers. He's their best defensive player, probably the best player on that roster. We'll get to the rest of the injuries in the third segment of the show. But I want to talk about the Steelers' offensive and defensive scheme and who the key parts of those offensive and defensive personnel groups are. We start with Randy Fickner, the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, and the way he's called plays this year for Mason Rudolph, who came in for Ben Roethlisberger. And the interesting aspect of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade was that it occurred only a couple hours after Ben Roethlisberger was put on injured reserve or had that elbow surgery that ended his 2019 season. So the Steelers did not punt on the season, rather doubling down on Mason Rudolph. But then in his very first appearance of the season, they go out and do something that the NFL has not seen since Tim Tebow was in the game in the lineup for the Denver Broncos back in 2011. 
Rudolph threw more passes behind the line of scrimmage with the least amount of air yardage since a Tim Tebow start in 2011. So they're trying to protect the quarterback that they declared was the franchise answer post Ben Roethlisberger, or maybe they just think they're getting Ben back next year. And then from there, maybe the quarterback is not a need in the draft. I just don't understand that style of thinking because Ben's going to be 38 years old at the conclusion of next season. But go back to Rudolph here. He's basically been a big play dynamo in this offense, and that's pretty much it. They've had scoring strikes of 76, 39, 21, and 43 yards in the two wins, or I should say the two games against the Niners and the Bengals. In the Cincinnati game, all they did was line up and watch Wildcat and use misdirection and take advantage of the Bengals' slow aging defense with horizontal action and misdirection. We might see some of that tonight against the Dolphins, but with guys like Jerome Baker and Vince Beagle out there, I'm not sure you're going to have the speed off the edge to get to the Dolphins on that edge and win that way. Probably just run the ball down their throats because that has worked for just about every single team that has faced Miami this season. I expect the Steelers to come after the Dolphins' weakness in the same way. Not that they'll try to stretch the Dolphins' defense horizontally, but they'll find the weakness like going up the gut in the running game and just go after that relentlessly utilize the play action and go over the top for Mason Rudolph to Deontay Johnson to Juju Smith-Schuster James Washington all these big play threats they have they're going to try to find a way to get the big play to those guys on the other side of the football as far as schemes go you guys have heard me talk badly about Keith Butler many many times on this show he to me makes Matt Burke look like Buddy Ryan the old famous coordinator for the Eagles back in the day he uses the old Tampa 2 principles principles that wind up with linebackers on slot receivers. So maybe this is a game for Albert Wilson or Jakeem Grant to get healthy inside. The Pittsburgh defense, despite having to overcome their coaching, has been better this year. They're 14th in points per game coming into the week. They're getting it done with terrific front seven play. They line up in a traditional 3-4 base type of defense and they'll go with some nickel with 2-4 or 3-3 looks to get that nickel onto the field. But they capitalize on these athletic rushers off the edge in TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. They want to find a way to get those guys in one-on-one situations against either Jesse Davis or Jamarcus Webb, which are both mismatches in this game and should be the cause of plenty of consternation on the Dolphins offense in this game. And then, of course, they'll bring blitzes with guys like Devin Bush and a familiar face in Minka Fitzpatrick as he lines up about the formation. Seems like he's okay playing multiple spots on that team with the Steelers and not here in Miami. So it's weird. It'll be a revenge game for sure. I'm sure these guys on the Dolphins side will be fired up about going after Minka. I hope they can find a way to expose him in coverage deep because that was kind of his problem area in Miami. Let's see if they can do it again here with either Grant, Wilson, Parker, Williams. All these guys can get vertical. Just just go ahead and go after Minka Fitzpatrick on that defense. The Steelers do blitz at a 34% clip. That ranks 8th in the NFL for the most amount of blitzes in the league. And they also rank 19th in quarterback hurry rate, but 5th in quarterback knockdown rate and 8th an overall pressure rate. That is the biggest issue in this game for the Dolphins. We'll talk about the concerns and the opportunities for Miami in this game, as well as the players on the Pittsburgh side of things. But first, are you struggling to find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout from the convenience of your own home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started today. 
And I assume most of you guys are listening to this podcast before you go to work on Monday morning. Maybe it's late Sunday night. Maybe it's on the drive home before kickoff. And maybe you've got some window in there before they do kickoff to get into the bedroom and please the missus. And before you do that, check out bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, kickoff, halftime, postgame, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I had a professor in one of my classes at Washington State University bring up the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and only a few kids in the class knew who they were. I was blown away by that fact, and now I find myself listening to all their greatest hits because I want to make up for a generation that forgot about one of the greatest rock bands of all time. And with that, let's go ahead and jump back into the preview here up on LockedOnDolphins.com, taking a look at the players here on the Steelers' side of the ball that could provide Miami some problems. We talked about Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. They are big plays waiting to happen down the field. Juju having a tougher time this year without the occupation of double teams of Antonio Brown trying to find clear lanes in the passing game. Teams are bracketing him. And I have to imagine that's what Miami will do in this game because really the next best playmaker is a rookie in Deontay Johnson. So they have to find a way to get Smith-Schuster taken out of the game from all of his production. He did miss practice on Thursday with an illness, but he'll be ready to go on Monday night and play in this game. James Conner is the next guy you have to think about in this offense. Although I don't really believe in his playmaking ability all that much. I think he's just a back that benefits from the creation of big holes and good screen calls in that offense. And he does get a lot of receiving yardage off those screen plays second on this team in receiving and they're going to have a conservative game plan that's based on early down runs and using the skill set in the passing game of Connor or guys like Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell his two backups to get some early down passes going which is where the Dolphin linebackers come into play so I think these backs against Miami's linebackers in McMillan and Baker and Beagle and Harris that's going to be the key matchup in this game to see if the Dolphins can shut down those early down runs and prevent the screen or the running back pass from killing them either and then, of course, we go to the offensive line. Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Ramon Foster. Those guys have been there since almost a decade now, I think. Those three guys on the interior offensive line are the antithesis of the Dolphins' interior offensive line. They're all fantastic. They get a surge off the line almost every single down. Going to be a big test here for Christian Wilkins and Devon Godshaw to hold those guys off. On the other side of the ball, we talked about Watt and Tuitt missing this game and Bud Dupree, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush. I think Bush will be a key to the game because I think he'll blitz a lot as the Steelers love to send him in on pass rush moves and this Dolphins offensive line is going to 
to have a hard time getting all these rushers blocked for the Steelers, especially off the edge with Jesse Davis. That's the matchup that I think really, really benefits the Steelers and why the Dolphins offense could have a hard time getting the landing gear up into the airplane, so to speak, and getting this thing off the ground. I think with his six TFLs and four sacks, he's going to really add to that stat line in this game. Jesse Davis has just struggled against guys of his caliber this year. And I think that continues on Monday night. Now, Devin Bush against Mark Walton. Walton's patient running style on Sunday against Buffalo was really what sprung him for all that yardage. We talked about the fact that he had 66 rushing yards. 63 of those came after contact. And most of that was because Mark Walton was patient and found the right crease in the backfield and then hit it up in there. And the reason he was able to run through those arm tackles and tackles alike was because he was able to, in a very crafty manner, set up his blocks and create yardage that way. But Devin Bush is a fast, instinctive player, and they'll have a problem getting that taken care of against this Steelers team. So that's a key matchup. And really, I just think this side of the ball presents so many problems for the Dolphins in this game. This Steelers defense has been very good this season, especially at moments and especially against bad offenses, which even though Miami played well last week and in the fourth quarter against Washington, this Dolphins offense is a bad one. As for Miami's opportunities in this game, we covered it a little bit, but getting the Steelers behind the chains and forcing Mason Rudolph to beat them on third down and long, we saw what this Dolphins defense can do and how they can confuse a young quarterback like a Josh Allen, for instance, with some cover zero blitzes, that newly minted amoeba or radar rush look where you have defenders scattered about the formation, not picking a gap until the ball is snapped, and they will all be in a two-point stance with maybe one guy down in a three or four-point stance. That caused issues for Josh Allen. I expect it to cause issues for Mason Rudolph if they can get the Steelers behind the chains. On the other side of the ball, the absence of Stephon Tuitt should free up both asset aspects of the Dolphins offense. The running scheme has been diverse this season, so maybe some new bodies on that side of the ball could cause some leaks in the way the Steelers run fit this defense with out Stephon Tuitt in there. The Dolphins can run their ISO, their counter trays, their outside zone, their man gap schemes. It's been very diverse on the offensive side of the running game this year, and that could be an issue for new bodies on the Steelers' defense. The Dolphins' concerns, the big play, the screen game, and running the football, all of Pittsburgh's bread and butter moves on the offense, and those are some issues that cause problems for the Dolphins. In order to create the former two, the Steelers choose to require the latter to be in working order, so they have to run the ball, and so the concern here is if Miami can't stop the run, which they haven't done all season, then they're not going to have success against the big play and the screen game. The projected outcome in this game, I'm probably going to sound very negative and pessimistic about this, but I think that folks are getting a little bit too into the idea that weekly trajectory is linear in the NFL because it's not. And teams who've played a game a certain style, you know, just seven days ago, that's not always who they're going to be the following week. We saw it with Washington against Minnesota on Thursday night. They played okay, of course, until Dwayne Haskins comes in, but that was a big difference in their offensive production from the week prior against the 49ers and even two weeks ago in Miami and certain times in that game. And I think it's just far more likely that Miami returns and regresses to the mean rather than continue this trajectory upwards, even though that would be a great note and a great sticking point for the coaching staff who have gotten this undermanned team ready to play the last couple of weeks. I just think the crash is coming, and I think it's this week because the last time that Ryan Fitzpatrick played as well as he did on Sunday was last season, 2018, and then he goes against Pittsburgh and gets shut down and comes back to earth. The Dolphins held the Bills to just 30% conversion rate on third down. They also converted a fake special teams play for the second consecutive week. I don't think all of that's going to be, uh, it's not going to be duplicated. And even then it wasn't enough for victory. 
And so with that, I'm projecting a blowout loss here for the Dolphins. They score 10 and Pittsburgh throws up 37, probably because of a defensive score and maybe even a special team score in there somewhere. I don't trust their offense to put up 30, but I think they'll get short fields and some scores from their defense and special teams to put this game away pretty early on. So Dolphins lose in big fashion against Pittsburgh. They fall to 0-7 on my prediction. And while we're on the topics of predictions and winless predictions at that, let's go ahead and lock it up for the week. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. And so the lock of the week this week, and we are 0 and 6 coming in now. We had one, we didn't answer it on the podcast. We counted that as a loss. So 0 and 6 on the lock, just like the team this year. And last year, week number three, Ryan Fitzpatrick plays a game against the Steelers on Monday night. The Bucks were 2 and 0. Fitzpatrick had thrown eight touchdown passes and just one interception with over 800 passing yards. My goodness. He was on fire, but then he came back to earth. And yes, he went over 400 yards for the third consecutive game in this one. And he did it on 50 passes, which is still over eight yards per attempt. But he did throw the three picks. And if you recall, some of those picks were classic Ryan Fitzpatrick interceptions. And the following week against Chicago was when the wheels came completely off. And I think this is the wheels off game for Fitzpatrick. He played really, really, really damn well the last two games. Aside from that Tredavious White interception, which remains a great play from a great player. But even with some success in this game, I think his mistakes reign supreme and ultimately doom the Dolphins. And that's why the lock of the week is three turnovers from Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's the lock. Three turnovers, fumbles, or interceptions from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Will they go back to Josh Rosen? I think it's doubtful, but maybe this will be enough for them to make the change and to get this tank right back on track. And before we get into the weekend that was in college football and around the National Football League to update the Dolphins' draft status and the prospects they're going after, some injury news to get to here as it is now Sunday coming back on the podcast with you guys. It sounds like Xavier Howard will be questionable for the game on Monday night, but he expects to play. Rashad Jones and Daniel Kilgore are out. Chris Lamonts, Avery Moss, and Nick Needham are also questionable. Everybody else good to go for this Dolphins football team for the Steelers. They have a bunch of guys on the injury report, but Everybody on that report was a full participant in practice on Saturday. So the Steelers are just about at full strength, aside from guys on injured reserve and those who we know are already out, like, for instance, Ben Roethlisberger and Stephon Tuitt. But the guys they currently have on the roster, full strength. Dolphins will be down there starting safety and center. And it sounds like Xavier Howard will play for the first time in three weeks. We're going to come back on the other side of the podcast here and talk about college football. Joe Burrow has another big day. We'll get you updated on Miami's position in the draft. All of that and more here next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. Tuesday is the NFL trade deadline, and we had a report come across from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald on Saturday, I believe it was, where he mentioned that Kenyon Drake and the Miami Dolphins remained far apart on a contract extension. Of course, the running back's deal expires at the end of this season, and although it sounded like on Saturday that there was no deal in place for Kenyon Drake as Miami explored trade options to deal the running back to another team across the National Football League, it sounded like the return compensation was too low for Miami to 
consider, but then it comes across on Sunday from the Miami Herald, Barry Jackson, Armando Salguero saying the Dolphins have agreed in principle to a trade for Kenyon Drake as of Saturday night. They did not bring the running back with them on the trip to Pittsburgh, so he will not play Monday night football and he will in fact be on the move on Tuesday at the NFL's trade deadline. And it continues to be believed that the Detroit Lions are the favorite in the sweepstakes to get Kenyon Drake from the Miami Dolphins. Carryon Johnson, of course, on injured reserve. Their backs on Sunday doing not a whole lot to expel the idea that Detroit needs help at the running back position. So I think it's safe to say that Kenyon Drake probably goes to Detroit for something like a fifth, sixth, maybe a sixth round conditional draft pick. Or maybe Philadelphia jumps in there at the end to try to pair him with Miles Sanders. So it's Sunday morning, jumping back on the podcast with you guys here. I just finished up my college scouting reports. Let's go ahead and jump right into that, and then we'll update the Dolphins draft order later on in the show. We start off with Joe Burrow, who once again was the Sterling quarterback of the weekend. He completed 76.2% of his passes for 321 yards, threw a touchdown and a pick against Auburn in their big 23-13 win. LSU will now go to, or will play Alabama in two weeks for a big number one versus number two matchup between Burrow and Tungavailoa. As far as Burrow's performance in this game, I thought he started very slow as the Auburn Tiger defense gave him a post-snap picture that was different than what he saw pre-snap and it caused some confusion for Burrow who wanted to find his quick hot, his short early read in the progression, the first read of the progression. He couldn't do it right away, had to tuck the football, tried to make some plays with his legs off script and that didn't go very well for him. He took some sacks early on and had some short runs on third downs, but then as the game went along, Burrow got more comfortable, started dissecting the defense like he has been doing all season long and he really got sparked by the 50-50 one-on-one deep shot down the back shoulder or the fade those types of throws and the LSU receivers just made play after play for Burrow in those situations he was accurate with it but Jamar Chase Jeff uh, Justin Jefferson and Marshall I forget his first name those top three receivers for LSU were just going off in this game having a big day but Burrow continued to make plays off script he moved the chains with his legs extended outside the pocket I just watched Joe Burrow and I see him with that kind of gamer mentality where he gets it done but the physical traits just do not wow you whatsoever the arm strength the speed there is a little bit of athleticism there he makes some poor decisions when he decides not to slide down at the end of plays I think that's something he's going to have to learn how to do but again Joe Burrow another impressive game continues to work his way up the quarterback big board this year. Jordan Love and Justin Herbert, we're going to be brief on them because both of their scouting opportunities were very limited on Saturday. Jordan Love got smacked by Air Force 31-7. to He was 14 for 23 with 114 yards. That's less than five yards per attempt, and he threw a touchdown pass in that game. But I watch a lot of his stuff, and I'm just kind of blown away by the physical traits that he offers. He really does a good job of going through his progressions post-snap and gets through one, two, three, four reads at times, and can flip his hips and lower half to match up his progression read with his decision making and by his mechanics all aligned at the same time. You'll see him make some big time throws where he threads some small windows, but this Utah State team is so bad. They drop so many passes and leave him in such bad situations. It really truly is hard to evaluate him because he's making several plays every game where the receivers drop the ball and you just can't give them the stats for it. You can only show the video on Twitter, which I did. There's some clips on Twitter where jo- where Uh, Jordan Love makes some big-time plays. They just can't capitalize for him against Air Force. So a big loss for them there. He might come back to school next year based on the way things are going right now. Justin Herbert, he can't go back to school. He's a senior. He's going to graduate. He was 21 for 30 for uh, 222 yards. No touchdowns, no picks against my Washington State Cougs. 
Go Cougs, I guess. The Cougs blow the game late in this one. Herbert pretty much just turned around and handed it off. C.J. Verdell went for almost 300 rushing yards in this game, and more than half of Herbert's completions came behind the line of scrimmage. He did make a few plays off script, extending with his legs, picking up first downs with his legs, and that was nice to see. But there just aren't many big-time throws you get to see from this guy because this offense is so short game-oriented in the screens, in the runs. And so I don't take much away from this game from Justin Herbert. There was one play that really annoyed me where he had a third down and four. He tried to scramble for a first down and he slid one yard shy of the first down. His lack of situational awareness shows up way too much for me. It's very Ryan Tannehill-esque in that way. It bothers the crap out of me, but nonetheless, he'll still be a top 10 draft in next April's NFL draft. So that's going to do it for the quarterback talk right here. We have next week, I'll be off in terms of talking about the quarterbacks and college scouting because I'll be in Miami for Dolphins and Jets and Saturday, I believe my brother and I will probably go out to the bars and watch some games and do the whole South Florida experience. So no college scouting report thread next week. In two weeks, we'll be back with Tua Tungavailoa versus Joe Burrow, the big-time matchup, and getting back to all this prospect watch we've been doing all year long here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I have 11 prospects in this week's thread. We'll talk about them on tomorrow's show as we continue to give you guys more prospects to think about. But if you want to do some homework ahead of time, go into the Locked On Dolphins Scouting College Football's Top 2020 Quarterback Prospects Week 9 article up on LOD.com and check out all those videos. There's 11 guys up there, receivers, offensive line, defensive ends, defensive backs, everything you guys want from Locked On Dolphins and the college scouting reports is up there. And now as we come to the end of an NFL Sunday, it's about 4.30 out here on the West Coast. The Texans just finished up a victory over the Oakland Raiders. So that draft pick that could have been propelled into the top 20 stays back in the low to mid 20s as Houston improves to five and three. They did, however, lose Laramie Tunzel and J.J. Watt in that game. Both did not return to the game. Tunzel's looked less serious. Watt might be out for a while and Deshaun Watson got kicked in the face and still played Superman ball and led the Texans to a come from behind win in the fourth quarter. So that draft pick does not improve as Houston moves to five and three. We know Pittsburgh plays on Monday night against us, the Miami Dolphins. The New Orleans Saints won their game again. They continue to roll with or without Drew Brees. We know that Washington won or lost rather their game on Thursday night, I guess one in terms of their draft order and the Bengals lost to the Rams in London. So they now sit at 0-8, two games worse than Miami. The Dolphins do have Monday night and next Sunday against the Jets. And if they lose both of those games, they will leapfrog the Bengals for the first overall pick heading in to a game in Indianapolis in week number 10. The Dolphins play the Colts that week. The Bengals play the Ravens. You have to assume both those teams will be underdogs and they could be on a crash course for that week 16 game. I still continue to point to the week three or the three week stretch rather against the Jets, the Giants and the Bengals. But truthfully, I don't really worry about that Giants game. They're playing well enough on offense with enough pieces to mismatch the Dolphins defense and get that W. The Jets do scare me. I think the game next week at home against Adam Gaze is a bit of a scare if you don't want victories and you do want that first pick, which might take zero wins to go ahead and obtain the way the Bengals are playing football right now. The Falcons lost again today. Just a bunch of bad teams in the league. And actually, I was ready to send out a tweet after the conclusion of the early games, but then some stuff went against Miami as we continue to get closer and closer to a pair of winless teams in Miami and Cincinnati. You want to root against teams that play the Dolphins and you want to root for teams that have played the Bengals in order to give Miami the strength of schedule 
tiebreaker for that first pick, of course, in next April's draft. And there were seven such games in the morning window or the early window for you East Coasters out there where the game featured a team that could benefit Miami or a team that could benefit Cincinnati in the race for the worst strength of schedule in the NFL as far as the first pick goes. And at one point, the Dolphins were 6-1 and one in terms of those games going in their favor. Like, for instance, if you get the Niners beating the Panthers, that's good for Miami because the Bengals play the Niners and that improves their strength of schedule, which you want the lower strength of schedule. But there were nine games on Sunday that impacted the strength of schedule. The Dolphins had five beneficial games. The Bengals had four. So it's a victory, but not as lopsided as we had hoped. Because as Miami's strength of schedule decreases by five total points, they are now down to a 475 strength of schedule. The Bengals' strength of schedule just so happens to decrease at an identical rate as Cincinnati's strength of schedule has gone down by five points as well. But Miami still leads in that category by 48 strength of schedule points. And as it stands right now, as of this podcast recording before the Sunday night game, the Dolphins would currently possess the second pick in the draft, their own draft pick, the 10th pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers, which will move tomorrow night. And then of course, the 22nd pick from the Houston Texans. So not a great day as far as the Dolphins draft picks are concerned. And the Dolphins will take the field in prime time for the only time this season tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you hear this podcast. And as always, we are going to have a post-game recap article up on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as a recap podcast with your five takeaways, the individual breakdowns, and putting back together the culmination of the weekend that was in college football and the National Football League. That's for tomorrow. As for today... That is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL, the show at LockdownFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again later tonight for a game recap edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.